Hello and welcome to the third edition of the Going Long podcast for 2020. Another good few good games last week. Uh, we're looking forward to the games next week. Unfortunately, some COVID-related news, which we've managed to avoid so far. Uh, we'll get into that later, but first we're just going to run through the best games from the weekend. I mean, I think we have to start with the Cowboys versus the Seahawks, Gavin. What do you think? Uh, I think we probably do as well. I mean, what, what a weekend of games, first of all. Uh, yeah, yeah, two weeks in a row where there's just been some crazy, crazy results. Yeah, I think we're we're going to need to dive into this because uh, it might take a while to sift through. There's a lot of these are worth talking about. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, Russell Wilson, uh, who's widely touted to be the MVP this year, has was near perfect again for the Seahawks, and he had to be. They just outlasted the Cowboys in another close game for Seattle. Uh, Wilson threw five touchdowns on 27 of 40 for 315 yards. So that makes him five, four, and five touchdowns in his first three games. Unbelievable. If not for a huge uh, debacle from DK Metcalf. So, yeah, he was he was playing unbelievable. Uh, yeah, 14 touchdowns through the first three games. It's the most ever for a quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. And he's had a few dropped as well. So it's, it's, it's well, a, truly a crazy season he's, he's got. Like you say, it, it arguably should have been six on Sunday. And if it was, I think this game would have ended up being a lot less competitive than it was. Uh, that was really the, what we're referring to is uh, late in the first half, uh, Russell Wilson really dropped one in the bucket for his receiver, DK Metcalf, who was going deep, made the perfect catch and could have walked into the end zone. The trouble he had was he did pull up and try to walk into the end zone instead of <laughs> carrying on his run at which point the Cowboys uh, DB that had been covering him uh, managed to catch up, punch the ball free, and the fumble went out the back of the end zone, which actually counts as a touchback and gave the ball back to the Cowboys uh, and kind of sparked them and kept them in the game, which then went on to be a phenomenally entertaining one that the Seahawks won 38-31, to uh, thanks in large part to a makeup touchdown, if you will, at the end of the game by DK Metcalf. Yeah, almost the exact same play. He caught a caught a huge touchdown, redeemed redeemed himself. I'm sure he was happy with that one. Very much so. But I do think they could have made things a lot easier on themselves. To me, watching it, I wasn't as impressed with the Cowboys as the uh, final result of the game might uh, make you believe. It, I think they were kind of getting ready to roll over in that game, and then when they caught that huge break from uh, from DK that kind of sparked them to stay in it and uh, stay active, which they certainly did. So you've got to give them credit where it's due. Yeah, while while DK does have to get some credit for the Cowboys coming back into it, I think a huge part of it, and it's not we've not really talked about it yet, the Seahawks secondary this year is is extremely poor. Uh, going, into the, going into this game, uh, they were second in the league in 20-plus uh, yard pass plays given up. Dak Prescott had three touchdown passes of over 40 yards in the game. <laughs> um, so they're now first in that category. He had he had another he had another few like big pass plays as well uh, to all of his receivers. They just can't uh, if if you get good enough protection, they just can't guard them. Uh, they've been giving it up against everyone. And that's two close games in a row that really didn't need to be close games for the Seahawks. I think the reason they won this game and the reason the Cowboys lost is because Russell Wilson is the best player in the league or definitely one of the top two best players in the league. Well, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call you out on your choice of words there. I think he's certainly playing the best football of anybody at the moment. Whether or not that makes him number one in the league is up for yeah. debate. But I'd agree with that uh, statement for sure. 
But Russell Wilson has played on a lot stronger Seahawks teams uh, and throughout his career. I think he's just he's, he's got them through. I mean, there are tough games, the Cowboys and the Patriots, but I think they really could have put those games away uh, quicker if they just were slightly more able to stop these deep passes. I mean, Julian Edelman had a career day. He's been catching passes from Tom Brady for years. He had a career yeah. day against this uh, secondary. I mean, it's I'm, just. I mean, they weren't helped by the fact that uh, Jamal Adams, the kind of all-pro uh, safety from the Jets, who they traded for uh, to begin this season, uh, went out early with a groin injury. I was actually, I was just looking there to make sure I was right on that, that it was a groin, uh, and they've just announced that he's he's not going to be playing this Sunday either. Uh, so it's kind of a kind of a week-to-week thing, but. It was is going to keep him out at least these two games. So not saying he would have made a huge difference as a safety. He actually plays down in the box and protects against the run and rushes the quarterback a lot. So it's not directly correlating to to the weakness that you're talking about with these deep touchdown passes they're giving up. But I have to think a presence like him on the field at safety would help a little bit with that. Um, but even with him on the field, as you've rightly said, uh, they've been giving up huge uh, like chunk plays, as you would call them. Uh, yeah. So, so far they've been able to outscore these opponents, and and to be honest, that'll probably be fine. They'll probably continue to be able to do that. But you would like to see them get these games under control early. Oh, like I'm I'm not complaining about this whatsoever. It makes every Seahawks game a must watch because oh, yeah. as much as they're gonna pile up the points, they're gonna give them up on big exciting plays. So yeah, I think the Seahawks are a must watch team this year, uh, and all their. All their games against sort of teams that will probably have a winning record will will most likely be close going off what uh, we've seen so far. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, uh, I will say for all we've just kind of given them a hard time. I thought their defense, for all that they were giving up yards and points, they did make kind of the substantial plays that helped them uh, eventually win the game. You know, they had a couple of uh, a couple of big turnovers. They've got a strip sack on Dak and uh, and uh, two interceptions, I believe, including the one on the last play of the game. Yeah. Uh, so they were able to get the ball to Russell in, in good field position at least uh, a couple of times, which if you're giving up touchdowns every other time, that's really the least you can do. But uh, at least they didn't get completely worked over. They they managed to kind of stamp their authority on the game on a few plays, which when you have Russell Wilson under center can be enough. Yeah, it's, it's timely plays as well. That strip sack that you mentioned, that was uh, to open up the, the first, uh, the second half, sorry. And uh, the Cowboys were down 23-15, only down by eight after that Metcalf drop had given them some momentum. And then on the yeah. very next drive, uh, Dak was sacked and fumbled on that drive. And the Sea had Sox capitalized to take that 15-point lead. And that was just put them a bit too far out of reach for the Cowboys to come back. They almost did. But, uh, yeah, I think that was a huge play for them. And they do have, they, they do have the big playability, obviously. They've yeah. been taking the ball away from teams. You're so right about the kind of timeliness of it because it also meant that it completely took Ezekiel Elliott out of the game uh, yeah. because down eight, starting the first half, you can still try and get your ground game going and, and try and win that way. By the time you're down 15, it's time for Dak to start throwing the ball all over the place and trying to get back in this thing, So, which he did well, all credit to him, but taking the running game basically entirely out of it uh, was huge for Seattle. Um, they, I think... Elliot led the way with like 30-something yards for, for the Cowboys. And uh, I mean, any time that that happens for the Cowboys, they're going to be in trouble, in my opinion. As good as Dak is, we've talked about him a lot. We both like him. Uh, he's at his best in a balanced attack. Yeah, I think it was, it's kind of summed up 
in that way. Like the the final drive uh, of this game, Dak was Dak was driving them. It was sort of a two minute drill. Uh, they really needed to uh, come up with a score, a touchdown, uh, and Dak managed to. Avo- he has, I'd say, thirty seconds left, twenty seconds left, and he has he avoids pressure. He gets the pocket collapses. There's like three guys running after him. He he takes a huge hit. He gets out of it, rolls out to the left. And at this point, he's got to be thinking, no one's open. I'll throw this away. I get another shot at the end zone. But yeah. he, seemed to, he seemed to be so excited that he had avoided that pressure that he just threw yeah. the ball like waywardly and it was intercepted like into coverage. So I think, I think yeah, they're much better when they're playing in front and they can like wear teams down with uh, like a combination of Elliot and then like big plays to these like three good receivers they have now with C.D. Lamb, the rookie, having a great start to his career. Yeah, I mean, I think you're so right about Dak. Guys, I, I sympathise with them because, you know, you've only got nine seconds left on the clock. You do need to try and make something happen at some point. Uh, but, yeah, I think guys can get a bit carried away thinking, oh, man, if I can put a bow on this play, it's going to be a career highlight Yeah. because I'm off to a hot start already with that spinning out. Uh, mm. See, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of go back to exact, to what you've already said, which is timeliness of this defense, because you reminded me of it there again. I, I Watching the game, I was not impressed with Seattle's pass rush. We actually talked about it at the time. They weren't really be able to get any pressure on him, but when they got there, they made the most of it. We've already talked about the strip sack to start the second half, and then they get a, a sack followed by a, an interception due to a lot of pressure from the defensive line yep. uh, to end the game. So, We've talked about it multiple times already in the first couple of weeks all across the league when we're kind of looking ahead and trying to figure out what the best games of the upcoming week are going to be. Something we always look at is quarterbacks who could throw a lot of touchdowns and defenses who can make splash plays. And that will have that. So they're going to be in the conversation for game of the week every week. And they're going to be in the conversation for real contenders by the time it's all said and done. Yeah, definitely. I think the Cowboys... They do have. They've shown flashes of what their offense was tilted to be by many. Um, I think Dak. He's put up a lot of yards. I think he's like second in the league in yards uh, so far. But he has turned the ball over. I think the sixth most of all QBs. Yeah. So they're they're kind of messy. If they can like tighten up on that side of the ball and get Zeke going a bit more, uh, get him running for a hundred yards in a couple of games, I think they will. They will win a lot of games, and they benefit from having a terrible division this year because of the collapse, oh, yeah. of, the, the collapse of the Eagles. So the Cowboys will be fine. And the Seahawks are, uh, they've got a tough division as well. Probably the toughest division uh, this year. For is, sure, but they're still yeah. sitting pretty uh, so far. I, I can't wait. I don't know when it is on the schedule, but the the first Seahawks-Rams game is going to be a good one. Oh yeah, definitely. And I, I, I want to see them play the uh, Cardinals as well because they're such a young, exciting team. I think that'll be a great game because yeah. if the if the Seahawks defense is giving up big plays to Kyler Murray, that's going to be a close one and probably go down to the wire. Well, we've got so many games to talk about from this week, and we're already like speculating about games yeah. that are weeks in the future. Uh, yeah. Did yeah, you have, nice. by any chance? Let me guess. Did you have Russell Wilson again for your Player of the Week? I had Josh Allen for my player of the week this yeah, week. Yeah, nice one. I, I think if Josh Allen, if Russell Wilson was not having one of the best years anyone's ever had, Josh Allen would be getting some MVP uh, conversation himself. 
he was incredible against the, the Rams, a great team, and proved the Bills to 3-0. and And they really, like, no one was expecting the Patriots to, like, perform as well as they have. But the Bills are like, no, we're the best team uh, in the AFC East. Oh, yeah. And uh, you're going to have to come and take it off us. And I think it's, it's interesting to me because Josh Allen and Cam Newton are kind of very similar players. Uh, I think yeah, like Josh, it, Allen, Josh Allen reminds me a lot of Cam Newton, and I think that's going to be a, a very interesting matchup in both of those games. Well, not, not to toot my own horn too much, but in our first episode of this uh, season when we were doing our awards predictions, that was my main argument for a potential Josh Allen Dark Horse yeah. MVP, was that he might step into the role that Cam Newton has vacated. The only thing I was wrong about in that is Cam Newton has not vacated the role. <laughs> he he looks great as ever. Uh, yeah. But the point remains the same, which is Josh Allen, tall, physical, can throw the ball downfield. Now that they've given him the, the receivers to work with, he looks phenomenal. And what a game they played, the Bills and the Rams. Yeah, we'll, we'll obviously uh, get into that uh, that later. But yeah, I would give it to Wilson, but he's already had it. He's going to get it every other week. So <laughs> Josh had a big day. I'm going to give it to him. By the same logic, I have not selected Russell Wilson this week, only because I've picked him the last two. Uh, I haven't picked Josh Allen either. We were just talking about the uh, Titans and Vikings game. People said Stephen Goskowski was done. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. The Uh, former Patriots kicker goes six for six on field goals, including a 54 and a 55 yarder on the last two possessions of the game to steal the win by one point. Uh, so he is my player of the week this week. Yeah, um, yeah. So Josh Allen and a kicker getting the nods for uh, for player of the week this week from us. You're damn right. Uh, should we talk about the game that I really thought we were going to be talking about first, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs against the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, uh, kind, kind of a snooze fest. <laughs> yep, Super Bowl MVP versus MVP. Uh, <laughs> Two youngest, like no former MVPs have faced each other, both under the age of 25 before. Uh, Lamar Jackson was 0-2 against Mahomes, but 21-1 against the rest of the league as a regular season starter going into this game. That's he had, ridiculous. He, I had yeah, no, it's, cra- it's crazy, yeah. It, he, so he's now 0-3. He's now uh, we'll spoil it. The Chiefs got ahead early and didn't ever really look like relinquishing it. Well, that was the one thing that we said uh, last week was this will be a great game unless the Chiefs score early. Uh, because if they do, and it's been the same thing that's happened in their previous two matchups, if they, if they get ahead early, it forces Lamar Jackson to become a passer first before he's a runner. Um, and he's really most dangerous when he can kind of split that evenly. Um, but in this game, the run, the run game looked effective for them early going. His first time uh, he took off in the game, he got like a 33-yard gain, uh, Lamar running down the right sideline. But after that, it was very quickly taken away because they had to pass and try and uh, work with the clock sparingly to get themselves back in it. To be honest, as you've already said, 34 to 20 uh, in favour of the Chiefs. That only happened because of a kick return for a touchdown, the first and only one in the NFL this season so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Ricky Deverney. It was some some kick return as well, it, 93 yards or something a, like it that. It was a great return, and it took the uh, Ravens from three points to 10 in the first half, but otherwise they were demolished by the yeah, Chiefs. Lamar Jackson finished the game with less than 100 yards passing. 
Yeah, that's I bad. think he had 97 yards passing. It that's was terrible. Really and he, especially 70 yards on the, 70 yards on the ground, but he did get 33, as you said, on like one of the first uh, drives of the game. Yeah. So I think he really just did not come out, uh, come out to play uh, today. I think there's another universe in which the Ravens get a, get a touchdown early, get a couple of touchdowns early, but they really do need to keep up with the Chiefs in the first first quarter, second quarter, uh, because they haven't they haven't shown they can play from behind. They've, they've never really had to, apart from when they've been against the Chiefs and they've lost every game. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I, we'll probably see this match up again. I mean, I hope we do. And Lamar will be going for that uh, the all-important win in January. Yeah, I hope so too. I mean, I think it'll be an interesting one for sure. Uh, John Harbaugh's got to be going nuts. He doesn't take this kind of thing lightly. Uh, he will be determined to come up with a game plan that gives them a fighting chance in their in any future matchups they may have, uh, of which over the years there will surely be many. Um, I mean... They, so they they were trying everything defensively to slow down Mahomes and the Chiefs, and they they couldn't figure it out. They were blitzing him. He was unconscious against the blitz. He I think he had one incompletion uh, over the all the times that they rushed more than four defenders at him uh, in the entire game. There yeah, he was not are, intercepted or sacked either throughout the game. The Ravens no, just couldn't couldn't lay a glove on him. The receivers are running free down the field because every time you blitz, there's going to be single coverage somewhere on the field and Mahomes will always find it. Even that one play where the blitz almost got home, Marlon Humphrey, the uh, great defensive back for the Ravens, who they just extended this week. I don't know if you saw, they gave him the big money. Uh, bearing down on him, got right in his face, hit him as he was throwing, ends up in a 40-odd yard completion for a touchdown to Mecole Hardman because he just, yeah. if he sees him, at the line of scrimmage in single coverage, he knows if he throws it to the end zone after such an amount of time, he'll be He's going to, yeah, definitely. And I think the Ravens gave a bit too much respect to the Chiefs offense early on. I think I saw, particularly like Peters, their like all pro cornerback was guarding Hill. And he was, uh, there was one particular play where he was giving him a 10, 15 yard cushion. Yeah, I know uh, exactly. and He's lined up way too far away from Yeah, they were just giving him like 10, 15 yard completions to try and avoid Tyreek Hill beating you deep. But you don't want to get Mahomes in rhythm throwing 10, yeah. 15 yard passes too early because he's just going to get like too, too much chemistry with his receiver. What do you do? If, if you know that the game plan coming in is that they're going to be blitzing a lot, Marcus Peters knows that going in, which means he knows that he has single coverage on Tyreek Hill almost all game long. You've got to do something. You've got to take something away from him because as we then saw, when they adjusted for that and started coming forwards is when these receivers started getting these 40, 50 yards down the field. Yeah, I just like to see my cornerbacks playing press coverage, getting a hand on them in the first five yards yeah. and making them feel you. Like Especially when it's you're an all-pro and you're against Tyreek Hill. Make him, that. like this game, Peters has to be looking at this game as in like, I'm winning this matchup. Like that's that's what I, I think, and and he was trying to play damage control from in my opinion, and I think that's not how you're going to beat them. I had the same exact thing in my notes. As much as I'm trying to kind of defend him now, with the there's always the argument with when Mahomes is involved of well, what do you do? Nobody's been able to figure out how to stop him yet. But I do have down Marcus Peters had a rough day at the office. He was got burned for two touchdowns. He had a huge pass interference call as well. He, yeah. uh, it was odd to see someone of his caliber being targeted again and again, 
but that's basically what happened. He was getting more and more frustrated uh, and making mistakes as the game went on. Yeah, we've talked we've talked about uh, Watkins and Hill. Uh, I need to give some love to Edwards Hilaire uh, during this game because he had some crazy runs. Uh, for a su- man of such small stature, he's impossible to take down. Most of his runs were finished by them blowing the whistle with his six guys trying to pull him to the ground and he just was standing up. Uh, he he yeah. got some really, really important first downs as well. And like the check down to Hilaire just gives such a different dimension to this. Like If somehow you've managed to cover Kelsey, Tyreek Hill... Sammy Watkins, and then Hilaire just leaks out, like pretending to block, and then he catches it, and then you can't take him down, so he gets 20 yards after the catch. It's just like his pecs bang. What what do yeah. you do about that? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really know if you can stop a team with this many weapons. I mean, even the linemen were catching touchdown passes. <laughs> that is true. So even if you've covered Watkins, Hill, <laughs> uh, Kelsey, and Hilaire. Eric Fisher's just going to leak out from left guard. I did left think tackle. that was very much the straw that broke the camel's back, wasn't it? As soon as that happened, it was like, oh, this thing is over, you know? Yeah, yeah definitely. It was, it was, yeah, it was just an incredible performance from Mahomes yeah. and the Ravens. Uh, their style of play just doesn't lend itself to coming from behind. No. Uh, yeah. A slightly disappointing game after all the hype that we uh, we gave it last week it was still interesting to watch and, and an exciting game but really it wasn't the high drama uh down to the wire type of matchup that we might have been expecting no but it's certainly certainly interesting because you want to see how the ravens bounce back and i mean they've got the broncos next week they've got they've, i can't remember who it was they've got an own three team so they've got an, an easy bounce back opportunity um i think uh, the ravens will be Fine. But this does mean that our Pittsburgh Steelers sit atop the AFC North at 3-0. and It does. And it feels good. By the way, before we... Nice segue onto their game, but it's it's Washington that... Uh, Washington, that's the it, Ravens sorry. Play. So they're I, a, I a one and two bad. team, but they're trending downwards. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I knew it was someone bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, let's... Now that you've brought it up, let's talk about the... Uh, current leaders in the clubhouse in the AFC North. The Pittsburgh Steelers played the Houston Texans, who are, uh, they were defeated, it should be said. The, the Steelers won at home 28-21. to 21. The Texans are probably the best 0-3 team in the history of football. Uh, yeah, they've had uh, a brutal start to the year. We, we talked about it last week. They started with the Chiefs, then on to the Ravens, then on to the Steelers, who they were ripping apart in the first half, it should be said. Yep. Uh, Deshaun Watson was re- reminding everybody why he was an MVP candidate uh, a couple of years ago before he tore his ACL. Uh, puts up 21 points on one of the best defenses in the league. Pittsburgh's pass rush couldn't really bother him. He was making throws everywhere. He was getting to his receivers. They were making a big deal uh, on the broadcast before the game started that the Texans still had no wide receivers with a touchdown catch on the year. Mm. Uh, Randall Cobb got one in about the first four minutes. Yeah, um, put that to bed. That connection finally started to kind of be made. Uh, the trouble for them was they couldn't sustain it. The halftime uh, adjustments made by Keith Butler and the Steelers' defense were apparently enough because uh, they shut them out in the second half. The pass rush started getting home uh, in in a serious way, mostly because that Texans' offensive line were playing above their skill level in the first half rather than yep. uh, below, and you can maybe bring it up. They were definitely playing uh, way above their norm. So that kind of regressed to the mean and they started letting guys through. Uh, they end up with five sacks on the day. 
and as I said, no points for the Texans in uh, the second half. Yeah, James Conner uh, has had a rough start to the season and he managed to get uh, his first 100-yard rusher of the year uh, on only 16 carries uh, and a touchdown. He, he, he's, it's good to see him sort of flourishing because he's kind of taken a backseat to Benny Snell over the first couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's the perfect role for him is uh, that kind of 15 to 20 carries. Uh, so leading the way, you're still our main guy, but he's not built to be that kind of bell cow back that you hear guys talk about. Because he can't stay healthy. If he go every time he goes north of twenty touches in a game, he hurts himself in some capacity. Uh, but having him with the most carries of three or four running backs, all getting decent touches and getting in on the action, is perfect for him. Especially when he then has plenty of energy and he's and and health. Uh, when you get in a situation at the end of the game where he can just run out, churn out first downs, uh, and win you the game. Yeah, he really did help them run out the clock and just like protect their lead once they'd gained it. Uh, he's uh, really an asset to them. But yeah, they need to protect him because he has just got injured way too many times. So yeah, I think it's good that we have more backs that we are confident of giving the ball to so he doesn't have to carry such a high load. Well, yeah, we had uh, the rookie McFarland. We had Benny Snell, as you mentioned. Jalen Samuels, who I really like, even got in for a couple of plays. Only one uh, carry on the ground, but he was targeted a couple of times in the pass game, which is where he's at his best as well. Um, it was just—it was nice to see four guys is a lot to be switching around in the in the backfield, but I think if they can kind of stick with that, it will end up best for them in the in the long run. As you say, Connor very much leading the way for them, but all of them combined, it it makes things so tough on a defense trying to figure out what personnel should we have in there, what are they going to do, you know, how are they going to attack us with this guy versus that guy, especially with a rookie like McFarland comes in and and got a couple of huge gains he had 40 odd yards on six carries um yeah and also also it's when you have all these different backs any one of them during any game could like catch fire and start finding the holes and like breaking tackles and you can yeah. just like feed them it's nice to have like different options so if corners uh like if you come up against a defense that's just like has corners number you have a different type of back who runs in a different way that could really like and you, the fact that they give them all uh, touches like throughout the game, it means you can see who's working for you and like sort of build yeah. your run game on the fly. Uh, the la the last thing on the defensive side of the ball for the Steelers, and again we talked about this before we started recording, the the run defense is really spectacular. Uh, people talk about this team as it like the best defense in the league. Uh, I'm not really ready to go with that yet. They haven't played that much competition. They're they're Three opponents that they've beat so far, uh, making them an undefeated team, are a combined 0-9 through the first yeah. three weeks of the year, uh, which is not great. And I, look, we're, we're Steelers fans, so I, I'm not trying to be too hard on them or kind of anti-jinx them or anything like that. I, it, objectively, if I was looking at another team other than the Steelers that that was the case, I would definitely want to see them uh, take on some more staunch competition. It's a shame yep. now, as we're going to get into when we kind of, uh, once we get through all the games, that we're being robbed of seeing them. We're going to have to wait a few more weeks to see them take on uh, Derek Henry and the Titans, because that would have been a real test for them. Yeah, the, another 3-0 and team was, uh, we were we were going in, uh, down to Tennessee to play them. Uh, would have been like the first true test, especially of that run defense with oh, yeah. Derek Henry. Yeah, it, was, it really would have been a true test of this team, because we I haven't... 
No, sorry. Certainly not. They, I was just going to say, well, because they did a great job. They bottled up David Johnson uh, right from the jump. He had, he did have a touchdown from one yard out, but he only had, he had 13 carries for only 21 yards. Um, yeah, and David uh, Johnson the, is a good back, but he's not Derrick Henry. So it would be nice to see them take on someone uh, of his caliber. Yeah, and they held Saquon to like 12 yards in the first game. They've, they've played some good running backs, definitely. Yeah. But uh, the Titans just have more of a like their running game is everything they are, <laughs> so it's it, it'll really put a test to our defense. The only the other thing I was going to ask you: Do you think is there an element of intentionality behind the way that this defense has been built to play the run? Because I have to imagine that this is going to be a big help when you when eventually they're going to have to beat the Ravens if they want to win this yes. game. Yes, yes, and the the Ravens' run game is is so important from. Uh, their running backs, uh, Dobbins and Ingram, and also from Lamar. And uh, whether we can contain Lamar, uh, you need to have pretty much someone play spy on him all game. I don't know who that would be for us. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you, ha you I, have to think a guy like Devin Bush is probably the yeah. only the only player that we have that with the skill in tackling to bring him down in the open field and also potentially the speed to kind of catch him when he tries to get out to the sidelines. Uh, kind yeah, of a, that's they, a good show. I mean, their dream for Bush, which I'm not going to say that he can do that just yet, but the dream for Bush when they drafted him last year, uh, and he led the team in tackles as a rookie, by the way, was that he would fill that Ryan Shazier hole, that, yeah. that do-everything, middle-of-the-defense, speedy linebacker. Uh, and I think he's, he's a perfect candidate to do something like that. But, I mean, that's a lot of expectation to put on a second-year linebacker uh, taking on Lamar Jackson. Definitely. But to your point, uh, yeah, I think Tomlin definitely has looked at how the Ravens are winning games and thought, how can I take a game off them and hopefully yeah. come out of this division on top? Yeah, I think, no I think that, I think that's mind, a great shout. Despite, as we've talked about, the Steelers sit on top of the division alone at this point through three weeks, they will have to beat the Ravens head-to-head -head at some point if they want to win the division. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, my only other thought is it was good to see... Uh, we've already sang the praises of the, the Texans' offense in the first half, and then they were totally shut down in the second. Uh, the Steelers' offense is still finding its legs. Ben looks very comfortable, which is great, but he's still working things out with some receivers he hasn't played with before, uh, working the ball to guys like Deontay Johnson, uh, mm -hmm. Eric Ebron, the tight end that was brought over from the Colts in the summer. Had Ebron, had, Ebron had a good day. Yeah, he had five catches for 50 yards, 55 yards, uh, which isn't a huge amount, but they were crucial. There were third down catches uh, and one for a touchdown, uh, which was just a beautifully thrown ball by Ben. Uh, at the time, watching it in real time, I went oh my God, Ebron, that's an amazing catch. And then as you see the replay, what it actually is is a relatively routine catch because of how good the throw was. Mm -hmm. He was draped by a defender, but the ball just sneaks right over the shoulder pads of the DB and straight into Ebron's hands. Uh, it's an interesting weapon that they haven't had uh, in Pittsburgh for a while. A tight end who multiple times in the game, they lined him up out wide in the wide receiver slot to take on a, a cornerback one-on-one -on -one and, and he's got the height to go up and make plays on the ball when you mm. can do that. So yeah, it was just, it was good to see uh, and Ben protecting the ball is always important for him and uh, trusting in his offensive line as well. And just kind of not, not forcing anything. I felt just thinking the defense is playing better. If I just stay the course here, we'll win this game. Yeah, and because in his, in his younger, in his younger years, forcing everything was kind of his main downfall. 
Yeah, and uh, even in his middle-aged years. But Yeah, I mean, people, like, you forget that before his injury, he had, like, a career year where I think he showed this more cerebral Ben Roethlisberger. And then I didn't let myself dare to dream that he would come back in the same kind of form, but he does look like he's made some steps in that regard in terms of, yeah. like, game management and knowing what he needs to do uh, to let the other guys on the team win the game for him. You know what I mean? And it was good. And he was hard on himself in the post-game. And, and rightly so, I guess. He missed a few throws. Guys were running open way down the field. But what I will say, and this is going to be a very a nice professional segue to the next game, it was good to see him at least taking those throws and showing that he can make them, uh, even though they weren't right on the money and they fell incomplete. Yep. It's nice to see that his elbow is, is healthy to the point that he can rifle it down the field 40, 50 yards when, the, when a guy's running open. Unlike, I will transition now, if I may, to talking about the Saints and the Packers. Yes, uh, yes, please. That was such a good game. <laughs> a great game. And the Saints look good. Uh, they're, they fall now to one and two with a loss at home, 37 to 30 uh, against the Packers. Uh, the reason I bring it up and the reason that I'm connecting the two is that Breeze is exactly the opposite. Uh, I talked about it last week. I think he's looked great. He's always been a genius. He's always been able to play the short game and find open receivers everywhere. Presumably not helped by the fact they didn't have Michael Thomas this week. Yeah, the story going into this game was the two missing wide receivers, like Devante yeah, Adams and Michael Michael Thomas both missing. It was like, what can you, what can you do to replace Michael Thomas? Rubies thought, yeah, hey, I've got Alvin Kamara here. <laughs> Alvin Kamara had like 151 yards receiving, two touchdowns through the air. Well, exactly. Uh, Breeze's stats look great when you look at the box score of this game, but a lot of it was helped by the runs after the catch by Alvin Kamara. Um, oh, yeah. Kamara caught the ball sort of, uh, just remembering his probably most memorable touchdown. Uh, it was just like a check down, maybe like one yard in front of the line of scrimmage on the yeah. sideline. And uh, the centre of the Saints, his name escapes me, <laughs> had just ran up, like took over uh, Alvin Kamara and laid a huge block down on the guy and that was enough for Kam uh, Kamara to get by the entire effort. Uh, secondary. It was, the commentators were loving it. They, were, they're going nuts. They, <laughs> they didn't give Kamara any credit. They were just like, this centre has just done the I best centre. To be ever. honest, at the time, I do remember thinking they gave the centre maybe a smidge too much credit because they're going, he just outran Alvin Kamara and I'm like, Kamara waited for him. Let's yeah. be clear here. It was, was a great play. I'm not saying it wasn't, but it, but uh, he definitely all, held up a little bit. It's always hilarious to watch when you get a huge lineman like that far down the field. Rumbling <laughs> yeah. down the field. Yeah, yeah it was really yeah. cool. Uh, I wouldn't want to eat that block, though. It was huge. And I'm, I'm not taking anything away from them for it. I'm just pointing out that eventually, it's and it, I mean, it, the shots were there in this game for him to go downfield, and he didn't take them. Uh, one note I have here, I don't remember the play exactly now, uh, but late in the second half, as they're down by a touchdown looking to go and win this game, he kind of pump faked looking downfield. He had a receiver running 30, 40 yards downfield, and he kind of hitched as if to throw, hesitated, decided to look for a check down, and ends up taking a sack. Whereas in, in years past, even if it's not there, you put the air on that and you know the worst thing that can happen is I overthrow him and it, and it falls incomplete. But he was clearly thinking about what if I throw an interception here and uh, and this game's over. So yeah. he's playing within what he can do. I'm not saying that he's, he's wrong for that, but it is concerning to see. I would have loved to see him finally let one rip down the field. It, it makes me think that he just can't do it. Yeah, well, also, I mean, the, the game did turn on like a few, like, 
big plays. The Saints definitely had a chance to win this one. Like they came up with a huge stop uh, early in the fourth quarter, I think it was, with the game tied at twenty-seven. Uh, they stopped. Uh, they stopped Jones on fourth and one. Uh, the the Saints to take excellent field position and a chance to take the lead. Yeah. But then Zadarius Smith forced and recovered a fumble from Taysom Hill. It wasn't Breeze. Taysom Hill had taken the ball and uh, they took a field goal to set up the lead. So if that drive had ended differently, the, we could be talking about this in a very different way. I'm sure. I, I was waiting all game for Zadarius to, to make himself oh, yeah. known. He is a great player. And he was just on, I watched, uh, I don't know if you've seen on, on Game Pass, there's that ongoing series. It's called Film Room or something. It's basically... Mm. Uh, the host has a player on and they just break down film and talk about what what's the check for this and what made you go left here and not right and blah, blah, blah. So I just watched the one with Zadarius Smith, so I was paying attention to him in the game. He is a monster, man. He's outside linebacker for the Packers, but really can play on the end of the line, can play in the middle of the linebackers. He can kind of move around that front seven just about anywhere he wants to go. And he does something every game to, to give them a chance to win. And this was it in this case, as you say, breaking through, getting the strip and the recovery on Taysom Hill. Yeah. And I just want to talk about Aaron Rodgers for a bit. Uh, oh, yeah. There's a well, lot, there's... well, that's a perfect – because that's what I was just going to say. In a game like that, with a quarterback like that, this, the reason the Smith play is so huge is – one extra possession is all that was needed for either team to win the game. And it shows yep. by the fact they won by a touchdown. Uh, mm -hmm. So it was a huge play and uh, put the ball right back in the hands of that bad man, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, there's been so much talk about Rodgers' like, lack of help uh, from receivers. Uh, but this a stat was mentioned, I think it was during this game, the coverage of this game, uh, of Rogers' 364 career touchdown passes, one has been to a first-round pick. It's unbelievable. Now, one. too, because he got another one to the yeah. save the first-round pick, uh, Mercedes yeah. Lewis, the tight end, in the game. Yeah, um, which, is, but... which is just insane. He, he has no help. Every time uh, Rogers moved the ball up, up and down the field with ease in this game, and it doesn't matter who he was throwing to, every time a receiver made a huge play, my reaction was, Who? Yeah, <laughs> like a huge game for undrafted pickup. Like Jacksonville uh, picked up Alan Lazard last year, uh, undrafted. They trade for him, and he had six catches for 146 yards and a touchdown. Uh, just Rogers finding the people who were open all across uh, his offense without his main target. It's just incredible what Rogers continues to do. They it's start awesome. three. They start three and zero yet again as they did last year when. I've been predicting them to get worse for a little while because they keep not adding weapons, but he doesn't yeah. need weapons because he is the weapon. I thought both teams actually did. You mentioned at the top, uh, both teams playing without their all-pro receivers. I thought they both did a really good job of kind of coming up with clever game plan, good schemes to get these guys open and give them opportunities. But this, I mean, I'm going to read you now. Let's just, I'm going to read you the names of all the players who had at least one reception for the Packers in this game, Okay. <laughs> This is in order of most receptions to least. Alan Lazard, Robert Tonyan Jr., Jace Sternberger, Mercedes <laughs> Lewis, Aaron Jones, who's their running back, Tyler Irvin, Marquez Valdez Scantling, Jamal Williams. Yeah, um, I've heard I've heard like three of those. That's exactly what I was saying. Like every time I was like, how? And then you you just give all the credit to Rogers. He's just an incredible player. And see in these games without any fans. How impossible is Rogers' hard count? I mean, oh, he, 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 he drew the Saints off like three times in one play during this game. 
it, it's just so always been a. We should sorry, say yeah. we should say just for context, hard count is is basically when the quarterback fakes snapping the ball. You know, you'll hear them giving that, and nobody moves. And the the plan is they've said when they call the play, like we go on two, meaning I'm gonna do the first one's fake, nobody move. Hopefully they'll jump. Yeah. And then we'll snap it and catch them offside. Rogers is the king of it. So much so that there was a play in this game where uh, Saints defender jumps offside, ball is snapped, Rogers in the pocket as the play is going on, looks to his left and kind of gestures with his hand. Did you see this? To the ref yeah, going, yeah, where's yeah. the flag? And then as he sees it coming out, rifles it to the end zone, <laughs> knowing it's yeah. a, free, a free play because if, if anything bad happens, you just accept the offsides and you move forwards at five yards and you, you replay. Was that the really blatant That's, pass interference call? Exactly uh, right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. they drew that on the same play because he knew he had the freedom to do whatever he wanted. He's like, I'm just going to throw it in here and force this DB to make a decision. In, mm. in one way or another and he's it's perfect every time and and no fans in this in the superdome in new orleans is it was bizarre to see a quarterback of, of the visiting team having his way with the saints defensive line in new orleans on that field well this was roger's first win in the super bowl uh, superdome in his fourth try so he really? lost all three with fans there so yeah i think you have to think uh, that's part at least part yeah, of the reason why it, it is. I think he just, like, him being able to communicate, because he sees the defense so well, the way they're lining up, like, the way he's, like, studied film, that if, when he can communicate exactly what he's seeing to his entire offense, like, that's why they, that's why they gel together so well. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sure Roger would like to have had the fans there jeering him as he beat them in their own stadium, but uh, I think it does benefit him just simply because his hard count is, like, by far the best in the league. Legendary. At least once a game, he draws someone offside and usually gets a like big play out of it or like at least an attempt at a big play. 319! 319, huh? <laughs> I would jump. I'd jump sitting in my chair yeah. every time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, same. Like, yeah, they, they had a guy jump offside twice. I don't think it was that same play, but he jumped offside oh. and then, like, they didn't start the ball. He ran back, got in position. Rogers did it again. He jumped offside again. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, cool. He was just toying with him at that point. So, yeah, yeah just to, for sure. I think we, we should move on here, but I think we both think, uh, despite the fact what Packers now 3-0, and Saints fall to 1-2, and I think we both think both teams pretty good, both played well, uh, but Rodgers was the difference in the game for the Packers. Yep, definitely. Definitely. I think, yeah, Rodgers just, Rogers just incredible in that game. And uh, once he gets Devante Adams back, they'll only, they'll only get better. Yeah, definitely. I think both Adams and Thomas are, are expected to return to the field either this week or next uh, for their respective teams. Yep, so let's, let's move on. We've talked a lot about uh, that game. Uh, I, I watched One of the best game. games of the week, for sure. Yeah, I, I watched this game uh, yesterday, uh, the Vikings versus the Titans, as we discussed briefly, so we won't go into it too much. Yeah, but it was, uh, quick. Yeah, it was 31-30 uh, to the Titans. The Vikings started this one off well. Uh, there were two star offensive players, both had huge days. Jared Cook, 22 carries, 181 yards and a score. Uh, Jefferson, seven catches, 175 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, they um, might have found something in Justin Jefferson there. We talked last week about how Cousins wouldn't, uh, it, was, it wasn't really looking to throw the ball anywhere other than to Adam Thielen, who, to be fair, is a perennial pro bowler mm. and the established number one on that team. The question was, who's going to be number two now that Stephon Diggs is gone? Yeah. I mean, one performance, but 
this rookie Justin Jefferson had a huge game, seven for 175 with a touchdown. Uh, if they can build on that and become a legit number two, it could be a big step towards getting the season back on track for the Vikings. Yeah, I think the Vikings really let this one slip away. I mean, Derek Henry ran in two touchdowns uh, in as many minutes uh, at one point, just like too yep. many three and outs towards the end of the game. I think when it comes to crunch time, when the game's on the line, the Vikings offensive line just lets people through. <laughs> yeah, they, they just don't awful. have a push. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was especially, especially, especially towards the end of the game. They just did not look like moving the ball. They weren't getting a push at all. That, like you, you just can't win games that way. I said to you the other night. I think I think it's one of the biggest regressions of a position group anywhere in the league is the Vikings' offensive line from last year to this one. Yeah. They were pretty solid last year, um, and they were a big part of why I liked the Vikings going into this season. I thought they were going to win the battle in the trenches more often than not, but they have been dominated through three weeks so far, uh, without really any big injuries or anything like that. They just look out of sorts. Um, Hopefully they can get it together and, and kind of get back on track here, but absolutely terrible uh, in that yeah, game. And as you said, Boyd, by those six uh, field goals kicked by Gotchkowski, well, uh, the we, Titans man. We so often talk about, uh, you know, as it's happening and you're watching this game and, and the Titans are settling for field goal after field goal, you feel like this is bad for them. You know, this mm. settling for field goals instead of touchdowns. We always say in the NFL, you're going to have to score a touchdown eventually. And Derrick Henry obviously did with his, his double feature there. But yep. uh, to have a team kick six field goals in a game and not be able – you only need – what's the maths on that? It, you really only need two touchdowns of your own to, to make that – compare to kind of stay with that. And then you can you're, add a couple of field goals and stuff or two-point conversions. It's yeah. rough, rough maths I'm working with here. You only need three to outscore it. So you could have outscored those six field goals in half as many possessions. The the Titans were giving them chances and letting them hang around, but they just kept kicking them, just kept putting three on the board and trusting the defense, and it ended up just working out for them in the end. Yeah, and Tannehill's really has picked up where he left off last year as like the fourth quarter comeback king. Oh, he like looked grind, great. Gr grinding out those victories. He had a few huge plays, including like a, a, I think it was just a, a run on third down in the fourth quarter. Managed to pick up a huge third down for them, yep. uh, which like it led to I think uh, one of those six field goals. So, well, yeah, I, I think I, I thought both he and Henry were great, just plugging away, just keep getting them close enough, close enough, close enough to keep putting points up. And uh, well, they ended up with a one-point win, so they held on basically. Yeah. But sometimes that's the way it goes. You can't win them all by twenty. Uh, it's just as impressive to me to get a look at them uh, when they're struggling more to actually find the end zone. Uh, and see the special teams in the defense pick up and and keep them in it. Yep. Uh, let's let's move on because we have a lot of games to get through. Shall we talk about the the player of the week, Josh Allen, uh, taking taking on the Los Angeles Rams, the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, I mean this this was an awesome game, but kind of a weird one in terms of us talking about it now. It's almost hard to tell what we should take away for either team because the Bills went up huge through the first mm -hmm. kind of two and a bit quarters of this game 28 to 3 that that classic falcons super bowl number uh, they led by um, <laughs> about t nine ten minutes to go in the third quarter uh, yep. looked awesome looked like the best team in the league which is great 
apart from the fact that then it all stalled and they allowed the Rams to get right back in it and climb to a 32 to 28 lead uh, by by late uh, in the fourth. So you see what I mean when I say it was impressive. The first the those two individual things are impressive from the Bills and the Rams, but the fact that they allowed the other to happen, it's very it was a weird game. It's hard to know what we should think of them uh, just based on this performance. Yeah, definitely. I think it's been kind of uh, a feature of this season, this fanless season, that there's been a number of huge comebacks. And I think, I, I, I don't know why it is, but when teams go up big, they seem to be taking their foot off the gas or something. I don't, I don't know exactly what's happening, but we saw it in, uh, I'll just, we'll just move on. You saw it in the Bears game also this week. I mean, it was helped by a quarterback change in the third quarter. Uh, but the Bears were down... Uh, to the Atlanta Falcons, 26 to 10 to the Atlanta Falcons, uh, and managed to, uh, they they took out Mitch Trubisky in the third quarter, brought on Nick Foles, and Nick threw three touchdowns in the fourth to win the period 20 to nothing, and to give the Falcons their second uh, defeat grasp from the jaws of victory. That's uh, the one. In, in as many weeks. <laughs> Absolutely awful. It's two of the worst losses in the history of football in back-to-back weeks. No team has ever lost two games uh, in a season after be- having the win probability that they did at some point in the game. They, both games over these last two weeks, they went over a 99.8% chance to win and managed to lose. Yeah, they are that 1%. Like. See the one in every hundred games where that yeah. happens. It just is the Atlanta Falcons. Like they, there's no such thing as a 99% chance of victory for them. They're just they, absolutely I horrendous. They, I think it just becomes like a culture. Like as soon as like you're up big, and then you give up that one score. They're now all just terrified. Oh, what are they going to say about us? We're we're losing it again. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and it also builds from there. People need to stop benching Nick Foles. I mean, yeah, what's going must, on there? He he must just be terrible. In practice, that that's that's all I'm thinking. Like he, he just comes on and he's he plays lights out in games because every single quarterback battle he's in in the off season he loses and he always ends up on the bench, but he always comes on and wins them games. And I think he, he's he's won the starter job now. It's been confirmed by the Bears. Yeah. Uh, and I, I I think like how is he not showing them what he does show in games? Like he's a Super Bowl winner. Uh, he's he won a huge percentage of his games in uh, in Philly, and he's he's just, uh, uh, but he's just benched time and time again. I don't understand what it is. Well, the problem is he often gets brought in to kind of mentor. I think they were hoping even they traded for him, knowing that this was a possibility that Trubisky would just never be the guy that they hoped he could be. But they were certainly hoping that that could still be the case, and that Foles would take on more kind of a mentor type of role. Um, yeah, I guess it was just me that gave up on Trubisky years ago. No, it wasn't just <laughs> you. It was almost every Bears fan on the internet. But, uh, it seemed to me, weirdly, despite all of this that I've just said about Trubisky and how it was time for him to go, within the context of the game, it actually struck me as kind of an early pull, if you will. He got yanked from the game in the third quarter after a, granted, terrible interception, but it certainly wasn't out of reach. Um I was surprised that they did it when they did it. I, I, I've had the feeling the last couple of weeks that their coach, Matt Nagy, uh, is, has kind of just been waiting for Mitch to give him a reason so that he can yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I think so as well. And it, he, he, he managed to come back last week uh, 
Trubisky and we were saying like this is just going to make Trubisky your starter for another few weeks <laughs> like that is not good that he managed to win yeah, that exactly. game exactly <laughs> and it turned out not to be the case they they're definitely sticking with Foles I mean I do you think this is probably the end of Trubisky in Chicago I would imagine so I'd I'd say so yeah I I don't I mean I'm someone will probably take a chance on him next year uh Maybe as a backup, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I, I just don't think he's he's going to be a starter. Uh, no. I mean, Blake for, for a playoff team anyway. Around, so you can never say never, but yeah, but I'm I mean, just, yeah. so I'm just pulling up his career stats here. So he's drafted in 2017, second overall pick. We must never forget that the they could have had their choice of Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes, but they went with Whiskey. <laughs> they actually traded up. They gave away like two picks to trade up from three to two to take him, yeah. which was really weird because San Francisco, who they traded with, had no interest in taking him. Uh, so he started 42 games in his career so far. Uh, with a 63% completion percentage, uh, just a shade under 8,800 yards, 51 touchdowns and 29 interceptions, which is not a good ratio. No, that's not a good ratio at all. Uh, he's also fumbled 22 times. 20. A that's... massive amount. A lot of those must be dropped snaps or something because he's only lost eight of those. But Jameis it... Winston is very jealous of that touchdown interception ratio. <laughs> well, the point yeah, like is fifty and fifty last year. The point is, I think this is smart. Really, it's time. Uh, I understand the thinking of, well, Foles isn't going to be your franchise quarterback. He's probably not. He's he's over thirty now. Uh, but you got to give up eventually. There's no point in continuing to throw this yeah. guy out there and kind of weighing down your team with him. Sorry if that sounds harsh, but that's what he was doing. He's not. Yeah, and- and I think like they're three and they're three and all right now. Still, there's the surprise undefeated team, and oh. it's like if you put Foles in there, that gives you more chance of doing something this year. I think. Like, the alarming thing if, is he'll probably come out and play like shit this. Yeah, week. he'll pro- Yeah, he will. When he when he when he actually is confirmed the starter, he just he just uh, he doesn't play well. He, he fights for the spot, he gets it, and then he loses it again. They're playing the Colts, which will actually be a pretty tough matchup. Oh, that'll be an interesting yeah. one to watch. We'll, we'll get into next week's games in a bit. But yeah, any more games from this week that you wanted to discuss? Oh, probably, but I feel like we've been banging on about these long enough. Yeah, shall we talk about uh, why the Steelers uh, are not playing in Week Four? Well, I, I just last game I wanted to mention uh, the Eagles continuing yep. their incredibly horrendous uh, start to the season. They are not 0-3. They are, if anything, the only thing you could be at this point in the season that is arguably worse, which is (laughs) 0-2-1. They tied with Cincinnati at home in Philadelphia 23 apiece. Uh, And they did so. I'm not going to go into the week. Everything that we said about the Eagles last week was true about the Eagles this week. The struggles of Carson Wentz, uh, the injuries along the offensive line, everything. So you can listen to that to find out what we think about them. But yep. it's worth mentioning the cowardice of the coaching staff and the Eagles' mentality as with 19 seconds to go in the game in overtime with a tie hanging over their heads, they elect to punt back to Cincinnati to, to basically confirm the tie rather than attempting a 64-yard yep. field goal uh, to win the game, which is not unheard of. They were lining up to kick it from 59 and then a yeah, false then start they... drove them back five yards, which is the, the big problem here. And I think 64 would probably just, by about half a yard, be the all-time record. But I'd still rather try that 
and then assume that in the 19 seconds that we're still remaining in the game, even you can if stop I miss, the Bengals. we can stop the Bengals from getting a field goal. You've mm-hmm. got to try and win. It's the first time I've ever seen an NFL team go, do you know what? We'll take, we'll tie we'll take the tie. Yeah. Even, I, I even th- when the Bengals got the ball back in the way in their own territory with that amount of time to go, they were playing to win. They were trying to force the ball downfield. It didn't work, and it's unlikely to work in that scenario, but at least they took the right approach rather than the Eagles. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think, obviously, the worry is if it was a 64-yard field goal, would that put them about midfield, the Bengals? Uh, yeah. If, yeah. If, they miss it, if they miss the kick... Uh, that would put the Bengals at about midfield, needing probably 20 yards kick a kick a game-winning field goal. So you do see the risk there. If your kicker has not been making 60-plus yarders in practice, like you know if he's going to make one or not, that's, probably. That's true. I mean, I didn't actually hear, because they usually talk about that all the time. The commentators didn't mention it. Usually around that time, they'll go, you know, we were watching this guy warm up, and he was banging him through from, yeah. from the <laughs> parking lot, you know? Yeah, that guy was probably missing 30 yards. <laughs> yeah, probably. Maybe it was something to do with that. But Yeah, just I, no trust in your kicker. Coach, if I, as a coach, and I'm not a coach. and uh, Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> but it seems to me, even if it was made, meant we were more likely to lose from a mentality standpoint going forwards, I would want the team to see me make a decision that says, yeah. we play to win the game. Against if the Bengals. A sliver of hope, we take it, even if it potentially makes things worse if it doesn't work. You know. Yeah, because a, a tie and a loss mentality. is not is not that big a difference in the, in no. the in the NFL. So yeah, no, I do agree. Kick the sixty four yarder. Yeah, give it a go. For sure. Right. So unfortunately, right. we won't be able. An awesome slate from from this week, which is why it took us so long to talk through. Yeah, uh, we need to move on to some kind of annoying news which is kind of worrying as well. Uh, the Titans, who we just discussed, uh, had an outbreak of coronavirus uh, cases. I believe you have some figures of uh, how many. I th- yeah, just before we started uh, recording, the most recent results have come in. Adam Schefter is reporting that it's now up to seven players and six uh, members of the staff uh, who have all tested positive for the virus uh, on the Titans. So their facility is locked down. They're, they're not allowed any in-person activities whatsoever, nor are the Vikings, which I haven't really heard. I think they must be by now. I haven't heard how this is going to affect their game for the weekend. Uh, mm. pres- I think because they are now not receiving any positive tests, uh, they are going to be allowed to play. But up until the point that they... Uh, this, this is relevant because they just played each other, by the way. Yeah, yeah, uh, and obviously you need to your 14 days of isolation. Well, uh, so that's not happening, but the the... Vikings now are not reporting any positive tests, which means they will be allowed to play their game, but presumably they haven't been able to practice all week and will maybe have just got back in the building yesterday or today, mm. this being Friday. Who are the Vikings playing this week? Uh, I'll just tell you. Pause. <laughs> <laughs> the Vikings are playing against... Why can't I find them? The Texans. The Texans. See, that's Both a, teams in desperate need of a win, by the way. I know. Like, you really want to have a practice before a big game like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I, 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 I wonder... I don't know how they're fair. This worries me because how many teams does this have to happen with before we get a serious like postponement of the, the league? I just really hope it doesn't come to that. I hope yeah, teams... I would, 
I hope teams will take heed of this and really follow the social distancing and the mask wearing and not meeting up with members of the public. Uh, just being very careful uh, because it is your job. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, it sounds terrible and selfish to say this because we have outed ourselves as Steelers supporters several times, but the fact that it's the Steelers being affected by this is irrelevant because, as you say, the question is how many more times will this happen to how many other teams? The Steelers are kind of getting screwed here. Uh, they're, so they have been forced into taking their bye week this week, that being week four, because the yep. game against the Titans is cancelled, uh, which would mean going now towards the end of the season, they will be playing games 13 weeks in a row, not including yep. playoffs playoff should they make it there, which they're obviously aiming to. Uh, the, yeah, they haven't officially announced... Can come in really handy as well. That's well, the theirs thing. is meant to be in week eight, which is like the perfect... Uh, spot, you know, you get halfway through, you rest up, you kind of get healthy, and then you make the the playoff run. The mm. running theory, the NFL haven't officially announced what they're going to do, but the, because everything lines up so perfectly, the widely held assumption at this point is, uh, with the postponement of this game to later in the season, what will happen is this: the Steelers are meant to have their bye in week eight, the Titans are meant to have it in week seven. Uh, in week seven, when the Titans are were meant to have their bye. The Steelers are playing the Ravens, who, stay with me here, also have their bye in week eight. So the, the idea here is move the Ravens bye from eight to seven. Yeah. And, have, play this. Uh, and have the Steelers play the Titans in week seven, and then in what would be the Steelers' bye week, play the Ravens. Yeah. Yeah, that is kind of... Because bye weeks are actually so important. Obviously, one week uh, of the year... Uh, NFL teams get a week off. All the other teams play, and uh, and they don't. And it can yeah. come at a, it can sometimes come at a really important time. If you've just gone through a couple of losses, uh, it's really good to get a bye week, having an extra few days, uh, an extra week's practice over the other teams, like preparing for them. Uh, sometimes, if you're on a good run, though, uh, your bye week can kind of derail you. Yeah, uh, that's true. We've seen that happen. So. Uh, it just it just really depends how the team is playing it like at that moment in time when the bye week comes. But yeah, a, a week four bye week is is not ideal. It's tough. But... The, the Steelers are so well coached that they probably won't let this affect them too badly. Um, like you say, it sometimes can affect your momentum negatively. From now, I think it's a good chance for the team to really they're just going to lock in. They're like, here we go. It's a weird season, but we are playing every week from now until whenever we get put knocked out basically uh, yep. which is tough on their bodies but I think mentally it can be actually potentially uh, benefit them to all kind of sign up for that together yeah definitely I think yeah I, I, I definitely Tomlin can use that as motivation like, like oh, everything's sure. against us everything's against us but we're it's us against the world like that's that's what that's the kind of coaching that wins championships is really getting guys riled up over yeah circumstances that happen throughout the season and using it to fuel that fire. So well, I really hope Tomlin can get everyone to rally behind them. And a, a few Steelers players have already been quoted. They're not especially happy. The, the alternative that for obvious reasons they would have preferred would have been the Titans just having to either uh, kind of substitute with practice squad guys for the game, which still doesn't really work because they've all been exposed to it, yeah. whether or not they've tested positive for it by the time, excuse me, by the time the game rolls around. Uh, or preferably for them, just forfeit the game and give the Steelers the win. Uh, 
rather than shaking their whole schedule around. Where this is really going to get complicated is if they continue to have positive tests over the weekend, it could affect their game with Buffalo next week. And once that happens, the whole thing goes to pot. Yeah. You, one game you can account for, because like I've already talked about, you can move a bye around and, and mm. maybe switch another game from one week to the other. As, as soon as you add one more team, two more teams missing games, to make that up, it's like infinite numbers of possible combinations on the schedule. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it, it really, you're going to have to, if the Titans can't play next week, you might just have to give them losses for, for those games yeah, uh, instead of doing that. Yeah, so like I mean, hopefully this doesn't happen. I want to see all the games played. I want I want to Me see too. us play Derrick Henry. Um, but I think if there is a team that keeps repeatedly getting uh, positive cases, like they might even have to give. I don't. Yeah, they might just have to give any games they can't play. Just give the other team the win. Uh, I, I don't I mean, know what else. I would take do. I would I'm, take I'm, that for four and zero right now. To be fair, of course uh, you would. Yeah. <laughs> The worst 4-0 ever against all own three teams and then, <laughs> and then, a, forfeit. And then a forfeit. <laughs> well, in classic, just to wrap that up, in classic Mike Tomlin fashion, despite all the... There's a few player tweets saying uh, from Steelers players saying things like, my son's birthday is meant to be on our bye week and, and you know, now I can't go to his party and blah, 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 blah. Uh, which is a, it's a real thing and it's a shame. And as much as people want to go, oh, you're getting paid millions, like, just get on with it. The bye week is in the is in the contract for a reason, you know. It's yeah. in the bargaining agreement for a reason. It's it's time for guys to get physically healthy, rest up. It's also time for them to actually get to, to spend a bit of time with their families in mm-hmm. a job that otherwise takes up every waking moment of your life yeah. from from really August through to whenever you get knocked out in January, yeah. February. Uh, so I I do sympathise with them in that sense. But then, of course, after all of that, Tomlin was directly asked in a press conference, Coach, how do you feel about this meaning that you're going to have to play 13 weeks in a row? Do you know what he said? We I do didn't... not care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I like that from Tomlin. I think that's the attitude you've got to have. Uh, we all knew that th- something like this was going to happen, uh, that there were probably would be cases, because yeah. it's not the similar to like, like the NBA has been going on. But all the players were brought into like a bubble and lived in the same hotel and did have yeah. no contact with the outside world. Whereas that doesn't work uh, in terms of the NFL. You can't do um, that with the NFL. It's no, you can't. Of, of players yeah. and personnel for one. You can't play all the games on the same field either, because uh, it would just be a bowl of mud by the end. <laughs> <laughs> Might be kind of fun, but I take your point. Yeah, yeah. Tomlin, um, Tomlin basically, uh, I won't go through his whole press conference, but he, he, he didn't say this exactly, but the vibe I got from it was, we're, we're here to win football games and take bye weeks, and we're all out of bye weeks. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good one. I mean, I, uh, just to briefly mention, like I, I mentioned it to you, uh, there's been a, quite a scandal surrounding uh, the Raiders team, uh, also sort of to do with COVID. They had a, like, a team fundraiser, with like members of the public, sort of like donors uh, to the team, uh, kind of like a charity. I, I looked char- into this just because you met, I'll let you go on because you, you told me about this story, but just because I can clarify that because uh, I just yeah. read about it a minute ago. It's a Darren Waller, their, their tight end who we talked about last week, one of their star players. It's his foundation against drug addiction, I want to say. Mm. It's his kind of charity. That It's an event that he organizes every year that he mm. asks uh, teammates to attend to help with fundraising 
you know, take pictures with the Raiders, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, go on. Several of them did attend. So essentially, a, a video was released of uh, speeches being made. There was the, This was like a, an events room uh, filled with the general public, uh, pretty much the entire Raiders team. Uh, and basically none of them were wearing, wearing masks. No one in, in the whole video was wearing a mask, uh, which is obviously a huge no-no uh, and could put all the players at risk of contracting uh, coronavirus. And uh, Derek Carr came out and said something along the lines of, uh, there's the one moment that we didn't have our masks on, they decided to film and now we're all getting in trouble when there was nobody with a mask around their neck. When you've just taken off a mask, like you would see masks somewhere in the room. Exactly. They've, they've been having a party, they've been drinking, they've been mingling and they've not been social distancing or wearing masks, which is just like incredibly stupid. And I, th- I hope this Titans thing is a wake-up call and no other teams. I mean, it's fair enough to raise that money for charity, but why aren't you wearing masks? It's, the the it's Raiders just... are already under investigation, by the way, for a, a locker room breach on Monday, which is yeah. the same day that this this event occurred. Some un un kind of uh, credentialed member of staff, which is it is a legitimate member of staff of the Raiders, but it, I, I didn't know this until I was reading about this story this week. The NFL, because of the new policies that had to be put in place to try and control the the virus, there, there's only a certain number of staff members that. Uh, are allowed per team to enter the locker room after a game uh, and they all, they've already uh, under investigation for a breach related to that on uh, Monday and now with this on top being investigated as well you're going to see some fines yeah uh, I'm already fines. been heavily fined for yep. uh, not wearing his mask on the sidelines it's going to get messy from here yeah yeah I mean you could get docked games I mean the NFL has discussed like heavier and heavier punishments if the rules aren't abided by. Uh, but I think coaches, when they see uh, people getting fines or perhaps suspensions for players uh, who break rules, I'm sure it'll keep everyone else in line. I think you've got to come down hard because the whole season could be in jeopardy because of coronavirus, and that is just the God's honest truth. And it's the first the first sniff we've had of it this week, but I, I, I don't think it will be the last. Uh, sadly, no. And, and if those guys for the Raiders end up it hasn't been officially said that they're they're not going to be allowed to play at this point. Uh, but if that were to happen, if this inf- investigation gets taken further, I mean, we're talking about starting quarterback, both of their starting tight ends, Hunter Renfro, who is a, a majorly contributing uh, wide receiver for them out of the slot. Basically, their whole offense would just be mm-hmm. gone for a game. Uh, and the idea that that is all worth whatever amount of, uh, you know, their, their kind of night out that they had to this this banquet it's mm-hmm. absurd yeah it's, it's, it's a lot of other people's like livelihoods uh depend on it all the other players on all the other teams uh who yeah. are abiding by the rules if like the raiders uh did happen like i mean hopefully there's no positive test came from that there was no one infected there but it's just too big a risk to take and so publicly as well i think yeah i mean yeah, uh, so hopefully we don't have to talk about coronavirus too much on the podcast from now on. Is it uh, going to be the new Antonio Brown? Yeah, it's, it's even worse than Antonio Brown. <laughs> we had a, wor- uh, a horrible streak last year of having to lead every episode with news about Antonio Brown. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah and it was never uh, to do with football. Unfortunately, no. Get ready for that, by the way, because isn't he he's suspended for eight games and then he's technically a free agent and could potentially sign with a team? I think Bill Belichick would take him back, you know. 
we'll we'll get into that another time because we're, <laughs> we're going way long on this as it yeah, is. But that's, right. Let, let's talk about the games. The games that we're looking forward to for next week. I'll start it off with my prediction for game of the week next week. I'm speaking of the Patriots. The Patriots are playing the Chiefs, which is going to be a huge game. I think. Yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, Mahomes and Mahomes is. Mahomes already has a, a rivalry with the Patriots in his in his very young career. He's faced them in the postseason. He's, uh, he lost his first couple of games uh, to the Patriots, uh, even when he was get, racking up all those wins in his first couple of years. Yeah. I think it's going to be an interesting one. Again, the Patriots might fall the way of the Ravens, where they rely too much on their run game, uh, and they could just fall behind by three touchdowns early on, and uh, it could be a bit of a boring one. But I think Bill Belichick has got a scheme in mind for Mahomes. And I think Cam Newton, he's going at next all year. He wants to beat the best player to prove that he's the best player. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I think it's going to be a big one uh, on, on Sunday. Who did you have for a game of the week, that one as well? or uh, No, game of the week, I have, you're going to be surprised at this one, mostly because nobody hates these two teams more than me. I have the Cowboys and the Browns. Cleveland wow. are going into Dallas. Uh, both teams kind of have something to prove at this point. Uh, Dallas at one and two. Uh, the Browns, I've got to give credit where it's due. They sit at two and one at the moment after getting eviscerated by the Ravens in the first week. As we discussed then, that doesn't really reflect on them hardly at all. So from what I've seen, the games that they really had a chance in, they're two and oh, basically. Uh, this could be a huge game for them going down into Dallas. The major reason that I have it down as my game of the week is that it should be interesting either way. I think whatever happens in this game, uh, it's going to be just like a, a beautiful disaster that you can't take your eyes off yeah. of. I think this could be a chance for Elliot to get back on track, considering the Browns really can't stop the run uh, yeah. this year. Uh, I'm sure we will see him getting more than the 40 yards he managed this week. So I, I'd... Put money on him to get a couple of touchdowns in that game, and I, I, I'd take the Cowboys. But yeah, that is an interesting game because both teams have shown that they can sort of have really bad stretches, but also quite good stretches where they can put yeah. up points and sort of keep themselves close it in does, games. It totally depends on who turns up, but if both turn up on the same day, you're in for a great game. Yeah. And if it's only one or the other, then at least you'll get a few laughs along the way because yeah. few teams in the NFL flame out as dramatically as these two. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I I think that's that's a good call. That's a good call. I uh, I would take yeah. I'm taking the Chiefs in a narrow one against the Patriots, and I'm taking the Cowboys to destroy the Browns because yeah, they're in the AFC like North, that. and I want them to lose every game. Well, we can only <laughs> hope, can't we? Uh, I tell me if you think the same as me. Other, there's not a huge amount of games. It's not the same as the last couple of weeks that you you really want to circle and go. Make sure you don't miss that one. Uh, yeah. I think we mentioned it. I'd, I hadn't thought of it, but only in us having this conversation, it occurred to me that Bears-Colts will be an interesting one to watch just because it'll be Nick Foles' first start uh, under centre for the Bears. Uh, the Colts absolutely demolished the uh, Jets this week um, on Sunday there. So they're on a roll. The Bears yep. are making changes. Both are good teams. It'll be an interesting matchup. Yep. Uh, the Lions and the Saints will be an interesting one, I think. The Lions picked up a big win. Uh 
this week over the Cardinals, which uh, they were probably expected to lose. Bit of an underdog in that game. The same I like how we back. swept that under the rug, by the way, because we've been so bullish on Kyler Murray and the, the Cardinals. We yeah, <laughs> we're just not even going to mention the fact Don't that Don't mention lost that it. they lost and he threw three interceptions. Nobody talk about it. No, no one even, no one even breathe a word. But Don't yeah, the, the, Saints, war. the Saints are sitting at one and two, uh, and they've been playing well. Uh, so, but they you, they don't want to fall to one and three, and the Lions have proven they're a potential banana skin uh, to be slipped on. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> I think <laughs> I think the Saints will be will be really if the Lions come to play, they, they Stafford and with those uh, receivers, they really have a power for all offense at times. So I think the Saints are might need to show they can throw the ball deep again. Uh, and I think if, I I think they need to bounce back and probably a convincing victory just for the morale of the what is meant to be one of the best teams in the league. They really need to sort of put their stamp on a team. They've not yeah, really I think you're you're a hundred percent right there. And this is gonna depend on whether or not Michael Thomas plays really. Yeah um, he's, if, if he's... he does, I think they'll take control of this one pretty pretty easily with that exactly in mind. If he doesn't, that certainly opens the door for the Lions to make some plays and, and kind of hang around in this game longer than they should to the point where they could actually try and win it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, there's also Buccaneers Chargers this week. Uh, always like to see to see Brady uh, to see Brady play. He's he's actually he threw a few a few more touchdowns this week. We didn't discuss the. Buccaneers game. I think he threw to uh, three touchdowns. Terribly uh, uninteresting game again, where they absolutely destroyed the Denver Broncos. <laughs> yeah, doesn't bear talking yeah. about. But he looked great. He looked great. So yeah, I, hopefully he can he can keep playing well. And I think that could be a high scoring one uh, against LA. Yeah, I think you could be right. Uh, it's kind of Brady going against the team that he spurned because once he went, it was reported that he was going to be leaving the Patriots. It was widely known that he was kind of choosing between these two teams, the Chargers and the Buccaneers. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. they'll be they'll be looking to get a win. Anthony Lynn, the coach of the Chargers, I promise you will uh, will remember that, and he'll be scheming something up for him, trying to give him a tough time. And also, Monday Night Football might be uh, Dan Quinn's last game in charge of the Falcons because they play the Packers, and I think he's one more embarrassing loss away from from losing his job. I can't believe he still has a job now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the I only know. thing I can assume, and this happens sometimes. Let me just scroll down, and I'll tell you. I'm trying to see who the Falcons play the week after. Uh, the Panthers, which is an eminently winnable game. So that's absolutely what's happening here. They they don't want to fire Dan Quinn and bring in a new guy only for him to get destroyed by the Packers. They're going to yeah, let so Dan Quinn take this L and then they're going to get rid of him. Yeah, yeah. No, that's definitely a good shout because you want your coach to get off to winning ways. Cause, uh, it's a real thing. I, I, it's, I'm not just joking here. It's, it happens all the time. If there's a tough game on the schedule, you keep the guy around because you don't want the new coach to come in and get absolutely demoralized by Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, you want these like to be a new leaf turned over, but like even the Falcons playing at their best, like they, they don't have to worry about the Packers coming back and beating them in a dramatic finish. They have to worry about getting uh, just outplayed by the Packers uh, yeah. on Sunday, on Monday. Uh, last thing I'll mention, who would have thought, at this, if we'd looked at this at the start of the year, who would have thought we'd be talking about games we're looking forward to in week four and we wouldn't even mention 49ers and Eagles? I know, I know. That seems uh, like a good game, but the 49ers are so banged up and the Eagles are so disappointing that this one doesn't even really bear talking about. Yeah, the 49ers just so, so many injuries, obviously. Uh, sitting at two and one and playing well, even with even with all these injuries. <laughs> you could see them even beating, beating the Eagles, two, two oh, teams yeah. with 
uh, with bad injuries. But yeah, if both of these teams had played like we thought, this would have been like our pick for game of the week. But no, uh, we've had Jimmy G and Moster and so many Niners uh, yeah. taken away from us. Bosa. It's not true. Uh, yeah, no, it's definitely not. And the egos without Nick Foles are just terrible. So, <laughs> Well, as, as happened a couple of weeks ago, we kind of ended the show saying we're, we don't have that many games to talk about for this week. Uh, there's lots of weird matchups, lots of unexpected ones. And then it ended up being a great slate of games. So no doubt when we come back next week, we'll have lots to talk about. But I think that's where we can end uh, for today. Yeah, it's been a good one. Uh, I'm looking forward to everything. Unfortunately, we won't get to see the Steelers. At least that's a stress-free stress Sunday for us. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah, enjoy it while you can. Um, all right, this has been great. Let's get out of here. All right. <laughs>